Is everybody well? Yeah. Well, it's a real joy to be speaking this morning and sharing with you. And, um, you know, some of you have been asking, um, Esther, will you bring the dog to church? You know the dog? So I haven't quite brought him to church this morning, but here's a photo of him. I think it'll be coming on screen in a moment. Is he up there? So <laughs> this is Heidi, our 11-year-old, who is as tall as like me, um, against our dog there, Ben. So this is the Shetland pony that we keep somewhere in the garage at home. But <laughs> he is an adorable dog, and we love him. So there you go. For, for those of you who want to see him, he's there. And you know, we're going to open the scriptures this morning. Let's dive straight in. And uh, if you've got a paper copy, who loves their paper copies? Come on for paper copies. 1 Corinthians 13. Talking about the dog, though. Um, 1... One evening we were out and the dog was a puppy and I left my Bible, not this one, I left my Bible and what I love about the Bible is over the years you go this lovely history, don't you, with God and you date stuff and you, like, I carry my Bible everywhere to the hairdressers, planes, trains and um, I date everything. If people have got a word for me, I date it and all this kind of stuff, underline it like crazy and my Bible had been with me from a teenager right through to my early 20s and um, it was there on the coffee table and one day we got back from wherever we were going and the dog didn't go for the cushions, didn't go for the sofa, went for my Bible. And I rebuked it. It was spiritual warfare. I rebuked the enemy out of that dog and all this kind of stuff. And, um, but yeah, so I love, love the scriptures. I love the word of God. Have we got anybody here who loves the word of God? Yeah. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to come this morning and just reveal your word afresh and empower to us today. Okay, so it's a real joy. Thank you, Pastor Mark and Nita, for um, allow me to speak this morning. Okay, so we're in 1 Corinthians 1. It's quite a lot of, uh, to read this morning, but I didn't want to miss any out. So here we go. Starting from verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. I don't know about you today, but I got saved, you know, through the foolish message of the cross being preached. Not through th somebody who, you know, uh, was trying to persuade me to come into the kingdom, but it was somebody who stood there and said, I want to preach Jesus. This man who left glory, he died on a cross, he took a beating, he was humiliated, and he did this out of love for you and me. That's how I got saved. That's right. Come on. I forgot where I'm up to now. 
For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Wow. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We could go on and on, couldn't we? All that he is. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. God help us get our faith from what we're seeing out there and back to the power of God. Now I'll just finish up here. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Wow. Great passage of scripture this morning. You know, many of us know the context to this church in Corinth. I'll just do a a, a little brief, quick context. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul founded this church in Corinth. It excites me. I'm reading at the moment all about, you know, these churches that were founded and on Paul's missionary journeys. Um, I'm loving the book of uh, Thessalonians at the moment. And um, because obviously it's relating to us as we go and plant Um, But Paul, at the time of writing, this church was so troubled. It was a church in chaos. There was so much mess going on. Could you believe that in church life? You all look so beautifully perfect, and you are in Christ. But there was a mess. People were quarreling. People were arguing with each other. They were envying each other. They were flexing their muscles. They were kind of arguing who was the greater leader among them. Stand up if you think Pastor Mark's great. Stand up if you think Sean's great. Pastor Nita. You know what I mean? They were arguing who was the greatest leader among them. And there was so much immorality. So much immorality. And yet... Paul loves this church. 
He absolutely loves them. He calls them saints. And he loves this church. You know, I am I'm so thankful that pastors don't hand in the towel when the church gets messy. So thankful. You know, I've been in church four decades. Been a part of the church for four decades. And, I'm, I, you know, you watch on leaders. And I'm so thankful for those who shepherd God's people that when things get messy, they don't walk away. They bend in low like Jesus does, and they come along and gently guide us. I'm so thankful. You know, we need to pray not just for the leaders of the nations, but we need to pray for those who are over us in the Lord. And if you're not doing that today, can I encourage you? Take some moments every day and just put, you know, put their names up and say, Lord, I pray your goodness, your blessing, your protection over them. Not only is it a good thing to do, it's a biblical thing to do, and also we benefit. We benefit, okay? And so let me just go through some things that Paul says. I want to talk this morning about the wisdom of God. How many of us know this morning that we need in these days desperately to come under the wisdom of God? Not our own understanding, because we're very good, aren't we, at trying to explain ourselves well, trying to explain a situation well. But we need more than ever to bring our lives under the wisdom of God. This is what Paul says. He says, God will destroy the wisdom of the wise. God will bring down the understanding of the intellect, the prudent. God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. He's made it foolish. Christ is the power and wisdom of God. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. If God is foolish, which he's not. The weakness of God is stronger than men. The hidden wisdom of God. And this, is, this one just gets me every time. That in the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom of God was ordained for us as the church here and now, but before the ages, before time began. In other words, God in his goodness has ordained Christ, Christ in his power and wisdom for us now, and the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon his church for now, for now. And this is great encouragement for us as the church of Jesus Christ today because it means that while we are incredibly concerned about what is happening across the face of the earth today, the good news is that you know, we, we may see political unrest and you know, the moral standards are in such decline, aren't they? I've been so upset recently, I don't need to go into too much detail about it. But over certain things that you see on the media, certain things that are acceptable now in society that just weren't acceptable 20 years ago, it breaks my heart that we have so fallen short of the standard and glory of God in our lives. And while this is, we are in, uh, concerned about the times we are in, the good news is, church, that way back... God has prepared things in advance for us. It means that we have the answers to the, the situations that are coming upon the face of the earth. We have the answer. We were with our neighbors, our lovely, beautiful neighbors for a curry. They made us a curry Friday night. We're still trying to get over it. But no, <laughs> made us an incredible curry. And um, we were just able to share 
the wisdom of God. You know, and one, our neighbor, he was just welling up, feeling the pressure. He said, I can hardly talk about it because I can't bear it. And we, just, we were able just to share the hope with him that we have. And um, Paul here, you know, Paul is an intelligent guy. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was, you know, trained, and, um, trained in the Jewish law. Incredible guy. And yet when he speaks to the Corinthians, he says, in everything that's going on around the world, I could debate, I could bring my intellect into human reality, I could, I could do it all. He says, but this is what I am determined to do. He said, I am determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I feel like the church today, you know, that's almost like the answer we need, isn't it? I haven't got any answers except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can you imagine us all going out when, you know, the church, sorry, the world, you know, is expecting the church to come out with the cross? Can you imagine if we had a campaign that just says, I've got nothing to say except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, I'm not going to come with persuasive words. I'm so glad he says that because I'm not intelligent. I managed to scrape a grade C at GCSE Maths. Do you know what grade C is? Do we, am, I like, am I old now? Yeah, the GCSEs. Like I was scraping by out of sheer hard work. But Paul says, I'm not going to come with persuasive words. I'm not going to come with the wisdom of this age Do you know, I'd rather look foolish for Christ than try and present myself as know-it-all. And Paul comes along and he says, I'm not going to try and use persuasive words. You know, when um, the pandemic hit us in 2020, um, have we got any tweeters here? Thank you. Yeah, so I prefer Twitter to Instagram. I am not on Facebook, so don't look for me. I just, I've never done Facebook, I don't know why, just not into it. Um, I'm on Instagram, but my life looks boring on Instagram, so don't bother following me on there. But I, I like the odd tweet, and during the, the pandemic, Twitter went out of control. All right? If you don't know about Twitter, you, you're in this kind of constant conversation with people, and you can follow threads. Well, I did the dangerous thing and followed the threads. Okay, And there was so much going on, people talking about... COVID conspiracies, and you should be taking this medication, not this, and you should be listening to this person and not this. And I remember getting my phone one day, and I thought, right, Twitter, you're going to have it. I am going to, and I started penning this wonderful, amazing response to somebody. I'll call them somebody. (laughs) And Phil comes along, and he can see me getting a bit distressed and all this as I'm trying to cook the dinner with my phone, you know, as you do mums. And he comes along and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sorting out a tweet that I'm going to send in a moment. And he said, well, what are you doing? And he says, don't send it, Esther. Don't send it. He said, once it goes out, you've had it. You know, don't send it. He said, the people you're dealing with, they're carnal. They're carnal people. They won't understand where you're coming from. Just don't do it. And because I'm loving and I love my husband, 
I decided to send the tweet anyway. No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't. I deleted the tweet. I deleted the tweet. And then what happened was I, I sent, you know, you know those passages of scripture, you know, Jesus loves you. I sent that out. And I think ever since then, I've kind of kept off Twitter because it's I kind of like it, but it horrifies me at the same time. But anyway, Paul says, I've not come to try and persuade people, not come with human wisdom, not come to fight on your level. All right? He says, I'm coming in the Spirit's power. Holy Spirit, come on your church. In the Spirit's power and in the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is in Christ Jesus. Christ, the power and wisdom of God. All that we are in him, all that we have access to in him is ours today, in the here and now. And I believe, I'm so glad Pastor Mark, you said it this morning, because as I've been preparing this week, because I got like two days notice. No, I didn't, no, I didn't. <laughs> As I've been preparing this week, I really feel, or probably I'm more convinced more than ever, that there's going to be an amazing time of glory and wonder on the face of the earth. I really see the multitudes coming in. I really do into the body of Christ. And it's going to look beautiful, but at a very dark time. And we've got to be ready, operating in the wisdom of God when that happens. And I really firmly believe it. And it's not going to come because we're using persuasive arguments with our neighbors, because we're out on social media and Facebook giving it large. It's going to come because we say as a body, I determine to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, him crucified. Okay, I just want to bring just a, a few points this morning, just aware of time. Um, first of all, Paul talks about the paradox of God's wisdom. In other words, he says, you know, sometimes God's wisdom can seem bizarre, can't it? You know, anybody like prayed about something, and, but before you've prayed, you've already decided how you're going to answer the prayer. I'm like, God, I'm going to pray about this, but this is how I see it panning out. <laughs> and so often, Paul says, it can seem a bit bizarre, a bit backward. You know, Lord, you're going to use the weak things of this world? You're going to use the despised things of this world? You're going to use people that are very ordinary, unlikely? Surely, really, those people? Have they got it in their tank? Are they capable? say to you this morning, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And so Paul talks about this paradox. It doesn't make sense. And it's because we go down that line so often because human nature insists that we know what the right thing to do is. Human nature wants to go back to doing things that seem right in our own eyes. You know, in Exodus 16, I remember as a teenager reading Exodus 16, and for some of you who know your Bibles well, you'll know it's the, the part in the Bible where the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've been in captivity for over 400 years. They've come out of Egypt. The great deliverer Moses has delivered them, and they're now on their way to the promised land. Wonderful. They're all excited heading out of Egypt. But it's not long. In fact, it's probably a matter of weeks 
They start grumbling about the conditions. They start moaning about things. And so, in true fashion, as the Israelites did, every time they were not happy about something, they would go to Moses. Moses would go to God. All right? And on this situation, they're moaning about the food. It's just not good enough. Is this God's best for us? Like, seriously, it was better in Egypt. I just want to say, I'm just going to say something here this morning. There's some people in here today, maybe just one person, and you're looking back to Egypt. And the enemy is telling you that Egypt is better. It's not. It's not. There's somebody here, I just feel there's somebody here, and you think Egypt is better. There is that temptation to go back to Egypt. I want to say to you, hold on to the word of God this morning. Hold on tight, because you are going to see a great deliverance in your life. In your life. And so the Israelites, they were... They were moaning about the provision. They were saying, is this God's best for us, really? Is this what God, is this his wisdom for us? And so God provides for them because he's a good God. Let me tell you, God will never fail you. He won't. He won't. And so he provides for them. But you see, in the provision, there was also the instructions. The provision and the instruction. The instructions were this. Hey, guys, you need to collect food for that day only. Do not leave some over, you know, overnight. You have to use what you collect that day up. Now, I remember as a teenager reading this and going, I don't like that wisdom. I don't like that kind of pattern of thought because I think if I was there, I'd be keeping some for the next day. And I'll tell you why I'd keep some for the next day, because would I really trust that there'd be some the next day waiting for me? Would there be? Can you see the human reasoning? How many of us do this in our daily lives? We're like, God's telling us one thing, but I just need to come up with a plan B just in case. And so that is going on. That is being played out. And I said, Lord, I, I'd be a, I, would take, I would keep the bread. And so the next morning, there were some people who kept the bread over. And the next morning, of course, it was completely useless. There was worms. There was a smell. You couldn't eat the stuff. It was completely ruined. Completely ruined. And, you know, it's as if God was testing them. He was testing them to see if they would listen to him, if they would follow his wisdom for their lives. You see, if they were going to survive this journey to the promised land, if we are going to survive the years, if we're going to survive the times that we are in, then we have got to gain a heart of wisdom. And a heart of wisdom that says, Lord, your ways are always higher I can't afford to go in the way of the world and under the world's wisdom. I can't afford to do that in my life because I know I'm going to mess up big time. I've got to pull myself, no matter how difficult and how, no matter how many times it maybe doesn't make sense. I've got to. There's no other option, church. There really is no other option than pulling our lives under the wisdom of God. 
I want to say to people, I have a real passion for new believers and new Christians. I love discipleship. I love seeing, I, I always say to new Christians, bring paper copies because you can just see the whole picture of the word of God, you know? And um, I want to say to some Christians here this morning, you're new in the faith. You're new in the faith. Be careful that you're not tempted to go back to where you've just come from. Like the Egyptians, they, they, sorry, the Israelites, they wanted to go back. Can you imagine that? You've been praying for a deliverer for 400 years and you want to, within weeks, you want to go back. Because the pull of the enemy on our lives can be quite strong. But thank God, in his wisdom, for Christ Jesus this morning, don't, let, don't put your wisdom in men. Don't put your wisdom in men. You know, the wisdom of God has your best interest at heart. That is the amazing thing about God's wisdom. He has your best. He has your best. And I know he has your best because he gave the best to us. He gave Jesus to us. You know, God's wisdom, it is long-term. Encourage you to grow in wisdom for the long haul. The long haul. Because God's wisdom... I've seen God's faithfulness and his wisdom cover us, protect us, sustain us and our family over the, over the years and over the trials that we have gone through as we've trusted his voice over any other voice. You know, God's wisdom has history. Don't you love hearing the stories of saints that have walked with the Lord for decades? Couldn't you just sit with them for hours and hours as they retell stories of God's faithfulness? Not perfect lives, but just lives that have walked with the Lord, that have proven his wisdom to be true in their lives. They, they, they hold the value of wisdom so tightly, God's wisdom. He's the only wise, immortal, invisible God. But you see, in Corinth, there was chaos of every kind. There was disorder. In their personal lives, they were a mess, simply because, I believe, they took their eyes off the cross. Can I ask us, and I'm asking myself this this morning, how many times do we think about the cross during the day? When we wake up, think about the cross, the provision of the cross for today? Or do we kind of just park it up? Do we think about the cross every day? You see, Corinth, the people of Corinth, they start, their lives started to get shaky because they were building on the wrong foundation. If we don't build our lives on the foundation of Christ, the cracks will start to come. And they do come. I've proven that they come when my foundation has not been Christ. Today, maybe your personal life is in chaos. You don't have to admit it, don't worry. <laughs> But I know what it's like to have a personal life in chaos. If that's you this morning, then take encouragement from Paul's words and apply it to your life. Your faith should be in the wisdom of God, not in men. That our faith should be in God, in the wisdom of God. You know, the wonderful thing about pursuing God, I love this. And can I, tell, can I just talk to families for a moment? Families, as we... You know, those of you who've got young children, teenagers, what a difficult time it is. My sister at the moment, she has a tiny little baby. And she says, every day she'll text me and she says, it's hard work. 
I have to feed her. I have to change her now. I have to do all this. And I'm thinking, wait till you have teenagers. But I can't say that to her because she's convinced that having a newborn is way more difficult. <laughs> but, you know, parents this morning, can I say to you, and I'm saying, we say to ourselves, do not, do not leave it to TikTok, Snapchat, Google, whatever else is going on to put values into your children's lives. You know, we have this thing, and I just, I'll say it, um, we're not holy, don't worry, we don't like, we have a telly, but we, we have this rule in our home because we so want to live by the wisdom of God. If there's one blasphemy, we, w- we won't entertain the name of Jesus. If that happens, the program's off. If there's one blasphemy, we kind of go, mm. If there's two, it goes straight off. Because we so want the wisdom of God in our lives. And I, wanna, I just want to say to families, do what it takes in these days. We get one shot at raising these children. One shot. Do what it takes. Say to God, maybe even start now, say, God, I need your wisdom as I'm bringing up my children. I don't want to leave them to the culture and the day of this age to instill the values, worldly values. God, I want your values in their hearts and in their lives. So the wonderful thing about pursuing the wisdom of God, I love this. And it's hard. Isn't it hard? I'm making it all sound easy. It's not. Because you've got to intentionally, we've got to intentionally go out and pursue the wisdom of God. As we pursue the wisdom of God, when we wait for his wisdom, where maybe we're in prayer, praying for something right now, and we're so tempted to do things in our own strength, we're so tempted to write the script, when we're in that place of waiting for the wisdom of God, wait. Because let me tell you, that is where the miracles lie waiting. It's where the provision will come upon your lives. It's where the promises of God will come to fruition as we wait on the wisdom of God. Some years ago in the late 90s, um, so I come from a line of um, assemblies of God, uh, yeah, history, background, if you like. And um, some years ago, the late 90s, my... Sorry, I'm getting all tangled. I knew I would. Are we okay? Yeah. Um, in the late 90s, my father took on a, a, an AOG church in Widnes. Does anybody know where Widnes is? One per- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Widnes, and we hadn't heard of it as well. We like, Dad just dragged us up from the Midlands and we landed in Widnes. And Widnes is actually between, I'm going to try my accent again, Manchester. And Liverpool. <laughs> and, and as a staff team, we turned up one day, we turned up to the, to the building, a beautiful six-acre site that we had with about 50 people in the congregation. And um, so we turned up as a staff team one day, and a little couple came to the, the, door of the, the front door of the church, and a lovely couple called Tom and Donna. They were very frail looking. They were quite old. Um, there was nothing significant about them. They were just a quiet, elderly couple. And they came in and they said, hey, um, we would love to come every day and pray over every single chair in your auditorium. And we're like, okay, that's a nice thing to do if that's what you want to do. 
Um, and we, we spent some time with them. We thought, yeah, they, they seem to love Jesus. We'll, we'll let them get on with it. And while they were getting on with it, um, as a staff team, we were up in the upper room praying, planning, praying, planning about how we're going to take witness for Jesus. You know, we were doing all we could. We were strategizing. It all sounded brilliant. We're going to put it in booklets. We're going to put it on screen. The church is going to get it on Sunday. And um, all the time, Tom and Donna, this elderly couple, just kept going in the auditorium and praying. And we thought this is going to last a week, right? Like, after a week, they're going to go. How, I mean, how many hours can you spend praying on the chairs, over the chairs? Um, week two came. Staff team, come on side. We're all ready to plan, <laughs> get our plans in motion. And uh, Tom and Donna come. We're like, like hi. We're like, yeah, hi, you're going to pray in the auditorium? Yeah, okay, get lovely, well done. Well, not quite like that, but um, <laughs> go, go and pray. And we went to planning. You know, Tom and Donna were with us for six months. Six months praying every single day over the chairs in our auditorium. Six months. And then one day, Monday comes, you're expecting to see Tom and Donna just toddle into the church. They're gone. I have my suspicions about where they came from. Tom and Donna just disappeared, vanished. We couldn't trace them. We couldn't trace an address. And as a staff team, we were like, well, that was strange. That was bizarre. Like, really? And, and a few months went by, and we just carried on planning how we're going to win witness for Jesus. But at that time, we were hungry. And God was very kind to us. Because three months later, one Sunday morning, I'll never forget it, there was a great visitation of the Holy Spirit that came. And we believe that Tom and Donna, that God used foolish, weak, insignificant things. We believe God used Tom and Donna to be instrumental in ushering in a visitation of the Holy Spirit can you imagine if we'd have said no? You know, God bless you, but just not now. God bless you. See, God is so wise. And we, it followed with a 10-year season of an incredible times where people, you know, tumors were leaving people. We had doctors verifying that tumors were going. We had an explosion of numerical growth. We went from 50 people to hundreds of people in a period of seven years. God was doing incredible things amongst us, all because God in his wisdom, God in his wisdom decided to use Tom and Donna. Incredible. Say to our teams and people who are leading ministries, be on the lookout. You just might be entertaining angels. Do you believe in angels? I'm not saying they were. After this message, maybe Tom and Donna will email me and go, hey, we're out here. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> you know, but in God's wisdom, look out. Don't, let's not put God in a box. Let's say, Lord, have free reign. We want your wisdom to rain down upon us. I'm going to wrap up quickly. I don't know if the musicians are coming or whatever, but I'm going to wrap up really quickly now for time's sake. 
And the final thing this morning, Paul talks about Christ. We've spoken about this this morning, about Christ being the power and wisdom of God. You know, in, in Christ's coming, his death, his resurrection and ascension, because of the cross, we have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Holy Spirit. How many of us know that we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like never before? I love that, the fire starters. Come hungry. Just come hungry. Say, God, I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm not going to be a spectator. I'm just going to come hungry. I'm going to come hungry. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And Paul went back to this church and he said, we need to be filled with the spirit because only as we are operating under the spirit's wisdom and power can we understand the times we are living in. Can we understand what God wants to do on the face of the earth? You know, we cannot be the church without the cross. Lord, help us every day to see the cross. You know, Isaiah 53 is probably one of my favorite um, verses. And uh, if you've watched the Passion of the Christ, I actually think they do it really well. You see Jesus going to the cross, and there's Satan. And he's weaving in and out the crowds, and he's got that smirk on his face. I mean, you just want to go and, don't you? You do. You want to go and just knock his block off. And he's smirking at Jesus because in his wisdom, he thinks it's all finished. We see God before time began had already written the script. He has written the script for our lives in his wisdom. And so when we're tempted to do our own thing, Remember the cross every day in our lives. Young men, women, you're tempted. You're in those situations, you're tempted. Get the cross before you. Get the cross before you. You know, 2,000 years ago, the cross didn't seem like the wisest thing to do. It just didn't make sense. I mean, poor disciples, I have some sympathy with them. Peter's like, I'm getting out the sword. I will take them for you, Jesus. You will no way go to the cross. But you see, Jesus, the one who was led like a lamb to the slaughter, he didn't open his mouth to his accusers. Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, said, no, Peter, this is not the way. Jesus had one mission, it's to do the will of the Father. I'm going to do the will of the Father, no matter how hard this is. Going to the cross just didn't feel right. Maybe you're going through some situations today and God's telling you one thing and it just doesn't feel right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on to the word of God. Because three days later, in God's wisdom, Jesus beautifully, wonderfully, supernaturally moved out of the grave. For some of you, the, the answer's going to come in three days. For some of you, the answer might come in three years. For me, the answer came in 11 years. I waited 11 years for my husband. I watched all my friends get married. 11 years. But I stuck to the word of God. So I am not budging from your word, Lord, in my life because I know that you will come through and you will be faithful. So we begin a new week, church. 
And who knows? I mean, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen this week? We're almost living like that, aren't we? From day to day, week to week. What's going to happen next? Anchor down. Anchor down. Ask God for wisdom. James encourages us to, and God will give us his wisdom. Search the pages of this beautiful book. Do not leave it to rot this week. Do not leave it to gather dust. This is a gift to the church of Jesus Christ. You know, every day, my kids have a Bible by their bed. Right? They don't read it yet, but it's there. And I'm cleaning the house on a Monday, and the Bible's, I don't know, gone under clothes and wet towels and all that kind of stuff. And I get it out, and I put it there by their bed. Because one day, I believe, on their own accord, they are going to just... Pick up the word of God, church. Search for God's wisdom. It's in the pages of this book. And Proverbs encourages us to search it out as for hidden treasure. Some of us are searching things out that are so worldly, that are going nowhere. Waste of time. Waste of time. Search out the wisdom of God that we may prove it right. We may prove the value to those looking on. We'll see I want what they've gone. That's how we'll win the world. We won't win the world being so persuasive and elegant and looking great. We'll win the world because they'll look on and see the wisdom of God, which is in Christ Jesus. May God bless you and your week. May he bless this word to us today and do us good. May your word move in power, Lord, in our lives in these days. Time is ticking, Lord, and we want to see an end harvest. Help us, Lord, to walk in your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, church.